0: Welcome to Working Sober, the podcast that empowers high achievers like yourself to take control of their drinking habits and maximize their career success. I'm your host, Melissa. Working Sober is here to inspire and support you on your journey. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Working Sober. My name is Melissa. I am your host, And I'm super excited to be finally sitting down and recording this episode. I have literally been procrastinating doing this for so long. I can't even tell you, I am a procrastinator slash, well, no, I'm not a procrastinator anymore, I'm trying to get better, but a lot of the reason why I think I procrastinate on doing things is because I tell myself that they have to be 100% perfect, and so I put so much pressure on myself that it becomes daunting to sit down and actually start doing whatever it is that I'm meant to be doing, and I'm just going to keep it 100% real with you guys on this podcast, that's something that you should know. Um, I have done other podcasts, so I I had a previous podcast called The Self-Confidence Collective, where I really tried to make the episodes, the solo episodes, be super succinct and make sure that I explain things in a very perfect way, and I didn't really like doing that. And I still want to be able to have conversations with you guys as if we're talking one-on-one, while also helping you and teaching you the different concepts that have helped me change my relationship with alcohol, my drinking habits, but also, you know, change my perfectionist tendencies and people-pleasing tendencies and give you a little bit more of a, like, behind-the-scenes, casual, conversational kind of episode. So... This podcast is going to consist of solo episodes with me, as well as interview episodes with fabulous guests. You guys are not going to believe the incredible guests that I have coming on the show to share all the wisdom and tell, oh, just give us so much good advice on their the way that they quit drinking, different tips and tricks regarding how they changed their drinking habits, but also how that has shaped their careers and really inspirational ways and i'm looking forward to yeah letting you guys listen to those episodes because they were so fun to record i loved having conversations with those guests i am super here's the thing like i have been having i've been running these uh guest interviews for a few weeks now because i like to think that i'm quite prepared (laughs) i run a business i'm you know pretty self-sufficient over here But it's these solo episodes because I put so much pressure on myself to make sure that I'm saying things in a very perfect way. And then in doing so, I build it up so much that it becomes terrifying to actually sit down and record it. So... I've got a I've batched all of these beautiful interviews with these amazing humans that I can't wait for you guys to hear. And now I'm sitting down to record some of these solo episodes. So, I thought that it would be helpful if I shared a bit about myself in this episode, a bit about my sobriety journey, the work that I do now, and how quitting drinking impacted my career because that's a very big theme of this podcast. We'll be talking a lot about not only practical tools and tips that you can use to change your drinking habits based on my work and my expertise in psychology and my work as a sobriety coach. But also taking a look at how that process of quitting drinking lends itself in so many instances to Reflecting back on, okay, what is my life that I've created so far? What is my career looking like? Did I choose this? Would I choose this now? And being able to have the confidence to move forward and make new choices about our careers. And it's a very common thing. Like everyone, almost everybody that I talk to in the sobriety sphere uh, has had some big changes to their careers off the back of quitting drinking because you just gain so much clarity about yourself, what you want, who you want to be, and a lot of the times that is incongruent with what we've been doing for so long. So I'll share a bit about that, and then you'll know by the title of this episode that I'm also going to share with you 10 things that I'm still working on, um, even though this week I had my three-year sober birthday, and I thought that it would be really helpful to share the things that I'm still working on because I'm doing the work right now of unwinding this need to present to the world that everything is perfect and I'm basically trying to convince other people to believe things about myself that I don't believe to be true about myself, you know, that way. So I thought that it would be a helpful episode, not only for you guys to know that, like, The work doesn't stop and it's not like you reach a point in your sobriety journey where everything's perfect. Of course not. So it can help you slow down and enjoy the process a little bit more, but also helpful for me because, and almost cathartic for me, because I want to share the behind the scenes. I want to stop acting like I have to put on this very like performative perfect version of myself that has everything together and there's no problems here like I'm still doing this work three years in and there's things that I'm still figuring out three years in and I think that it's a very realistic thing to share so that's why I wanted to include this in my first episode because I want to set the tone for this podcast as I said conversational real raw authentic and just keep it real with you guys so i guess where to begin so i live in ireland and i'm the founder of sober girls ireland which is a community for sober and sober curious women in ireland and we host in-person and virtual events i'll link sober girls ireland in the show notes of this episode but you might be listening to this like you do not sound like you're from ireland and so i'll give you a little bit of a backstory as to how i ended up here which is very much, it, it it all pulls together into my sobriety story anyway, so I can just tell you a bit about that. So both of my parents are Irish, and they met in Philadelphia in the U.S. where I was born, and we lived there until I was about eight years old, at which point my parents decided to move my family, which I had two brothers as well. Um, me and my brothers and my family, we moved to Ireland whenever I was eight years old, and we lived there for about five years, and I went to an all-girls school. I had an Irish accent, the whole nine yards. And then five years in, my parents were like, nope, we're moving back to America. So we literally moved back to the same exact town that we lived in, which is right outside Philadelphia. I remember whenever I left, I was in uh, elementary school. And then I came back in eighth grade in middle school. And a lot of the people that was in, were in class with me, they were like, Do we know you? Because I literally went away for five years and came back. It was really weird. Anyway, moved back and forth a lot. And my, some of the repercussions of that was I did have a little bit of social anxiety. I think that's quite normal. Kind of had the story that I'm the awkward new kid. I don't belong, right? Because whenever I was in Ireland, I was the weird American kid. And whenever I moved back to America, I was the weird Irish kid. Or maybe that's just a story I was telling myself. But I had this story for a really long time that I didn't belong and eventually, thankfully, I did meet some really great friends in high school whenever I was living in the US and we bonded. We had an amazing, we had amazing friendships. Some of them are still my really good friends. Today, I'm literally going to one of their weddings in two weeks. So I ended up making new friends. And towards the end of high school, that's when I first started drinking. And it's not like I just had one beer my first time. Me and my friend, we went to the Outer Banks on one of her family holidays, and we drank a lot of boxed wine, which looking back now, I'm like, no, Melissa, why did you do that? But literally, that's all we could get our hands on. I think we were like 17 or 18 or something like that. So we drank and we drank a lot. And I remember feeling like, oh my god, this is amazing. I don't have this voice inside of my head that's telling me that I'm weird and that I'm awkward. And it was a way for me to be myself without having that voice weighing me down constantly i'd say i'd I'd say i had a pretty normal quote-unquote relation in comparison to everyone else a normal relationship with alcohol then i was drinking on the weekends with my friends never really getting into too much trouble um but definitely drinking to uh feel drunk that's really what i wanted to do i really enjoyed feeling drunk and it kind of stayed that way i went to college in philadelphia for psychology. So I was there for four years. And it was towards that last year that I really started to notice that my drinking had taken a turn. So I had turned 21- and started working in a bar slash restaurant in the city and it became very glamorous in my eyes to have a glass of wine on a weekday or pick up a six-pack on my way home from classes on like a Wednesday or to stay after my shift at the restaurant and get drunk with coworkers. and I noticed that I was drinking more more frequently but also the amount that I was drinking was more and I started noticing that hangovers were getting bad too. I was in my early 20s and it was really just starting to hit me. I was missing a couple of lectures here and there, but it was all still quite, I could justify it in a way because other people, I looked around at all my friends and other people that I knew and they were doing this too. So I never really thought too much of it. And it wasn't until my last year of college where I was really struggling to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. I knew that I always wanted to work in research, but I could not find a research assistant job or even a voluntary research position at the university that I went to. In order to get a voluntary position, I needed to have work experience. So I was like, what? I'm already behind and I haven't even finished college yet. So I panicked and took the first job out of college that I could get, which was as a behavioral therapist for a child with autism even though I always told myself I didn't want to work with kids, I didn't want to work in a school, I literally just remember panicking and taking this job because it was the first job that I was offered. And I had bills to pay, you know, so I took the job. And I worked as a behavioral therapist for a year for a 10 year old boy. And although we had an amazing time working together, we ended up bonding together. And it was very rewarding in that sense. I knew deep down that I just was not fulfilled. And this year i kind of refer to it as my dark year because i had a lot going on mentally and in my life emotionally i was uh i don't need to get into the full story basically i had a health issue i was in a toxic relationship with somebody i was in a friendship with somebody who was gaslighting my mental health i was also living with that person and everything basically collided and i started drinking more and more to cope with that i started have anxiety have anxiety the day after drinking and it all basically blew up one day after i confronted that person that i was living with and told her i could no longer live with her and i decided that i was going to escape my life and move to ireland and do my master's in research because i still had friends that lived over in ireland and i was like I'm gonna go over for a year, I'm gonna sort my life out, I'm not gonna have this issue with drinking anymore, I'm gonna leave this toxic relationship, and I'm basically just gonna wipe the slate clean. That was my mentality whenever I moved over there. And, While my drinking habits did change, I wasn't drinking every day. I'd say my drinking was probably the worst in that year right after college. I was drinking a lot more frequently. I was drinking multiple times a day sometimes, just really trying to make it through. And so after that experience, that summer, I decided to move to Ireland and my drinking habits definitely changed. I was only drinking like once a week on a weekend. I just remember feeling so much better. I know people talk about the geographical cure, like wherever you go, there you are. But I really did notice a difference in myself moving to Ireland after kind of putting the past behind me. And that master's degree was honestly... The best thing that could have ever happened to me because I did learn the skill set that I needed to land an amazing job which I got right afterwards up in Belfast and I got an amazing position working for an EU funded project doing research it was like the best case scenario I was getting paid a salary a very good salary to work as a researcher and do my PhD full-time And during my master's as well, I met my partner who I've been with now for five years. And so it was really a beautiful time looking back on it. And I can see how like that confrontation with my old friend, who were unfortunately no longer friends, that confrontation in that dark year was honestly one of the best things that could have ever happened to me. So it's always taught me to reframe the negative things that happen in life and just kind of get curious as to how those could be maybe setting myself up for something even more amazing in the future. But I decided to take that research position up in Belfast, moved up there. My boyfriend got a job up in Belfast working as a researcher too. And that's where we lived for about three years. And this is what I call the era of me quitting and drinking and quitting and drinking. I was just stuck in this cycle of trying to quit drinking from 2018 until when I finally quit in 2020. And it was a slow burn it was just slowly eating away at me time after time i would start every monday every first of the month every january 1st telling myself this is going to be the time that i take a month off of drinking because i had taken stints off of drinking before for about like two weeks at a time and I knew that I felt so much better without it. My anxiety was so much more manageable. I felt healthier, more energized. I wasn't feeling anxious about things that I had done when I had blacked out because that's a part of my story too. Um, I would over drink and stop remembering things and have a lot of anxiety and shame around that. And the two years between 2018 and 2020, which was when I finally quit drinking, I was just stuck in that cycle constantly of just trying to remove alcohol from my life and only be able to get like a week or two before saying, "Uh, screw it and going out and having a drink with my friends or whatever. And it was a very dark time because I lost a lot of confidence in that time as well. Because I kept making these promises that I was going to change my drinking habits and breaking those promises over and over again. And if you ever want to lose self confidence, break the promise that you make to yourself. So I was basically stuck in that cycle for a while. And It all kind of came to a head in May of 2020. I spoke about my last hangover. I did a Substack post, which I'll get into Substack in a minute actually, because it's really important that I tell you about that. But, But Substack is basically a blog slash community where we can interact with each other. And I wrote a post last week about my last hangover, and it's probably not what you would expect it to be. I had gotten into a cycle of just drinking on a Friday night, staying up late till like three or four o'clock in the morning drinking by myself because 2020, it was during the pandemic and waking up on a Saturday feeling so hungover and just so sick and so tired and just all like completely scared as well because I could not control this drinking habit of mine. I felt like if I'm so smart, I'm doing a PhD, I've, I've got all this going for me, why can't I quit drinking? And it was just the culmination of six weekends in a row of telling myself that I'm going to change my drinking habits, I'm not going to drink this weekend, only to find myself drinking a bottle of wine on the couch, watching Vanderpump Rules every Friday night and waking up hungover, physically getting sick. And I looked at myself in the mirror, it was a Saturday morning, May 2nd of 2020, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, what are you doing to yourself? And it wasn't a voice that was a, a judgmental voice as it had been in the past. Like, what are you doing to yourself? You're such an idiot. Why can't you control this thing? It was like a compassionate voice that was genuinely concerned and just looking to help. It was like, why Why do you keep doing this to yourself with compassion? I, I asked myself that question. And that honestly changed everything. I was able to finally quit drinking. I initially only attempted to take a 28-day break from drinking, but I couldn't deny how much better I felt after that month and decided to just keep it going. So I got a month, I got a year, I got two years, and last week I got three years. So that's basically been the journey that I was on. And how this relates to my career is... I was working as a researcher, I had, as I had said, and that had been my dream for so long, but as I quit drinking, I gained so much clarity around what I was actually doing, how I was spending my days, because my drinking and trying to quit drinking, that was taking up a lot of my mental real estate for a couple of years because I was constantly trying to research, read sober sobriety blogs, find anonymous forums that I could post on, listening to recovery podcasts, like trying to figure out this drinking thing for so long that I wasn't even able to be present in my life. I wasn't able to be present whenever I was out with people. I wasn't able to wrap my mind around what my job actually was and what I was being asked to do and ask myself if I liked doing that or not. Because prior to this PhD slash researcher job, I had never worked in research before. I had done the master's and I loved that, but I had never actually had a research job. And what I came to realize from quitting drinking was I was actually able to throw myself all into my work and I realized I didn't enjoy it anymore. I found it to be quite isolating and lonely. I worked independently on all of my projects. I had meetings with my supervisors maybe maybe once a month at maximum and it was just very lonely, always by myself. I didn't like what I was doing anymore. I didn't like the publishing process. And if anyone has any questions about why I left, um, research, let me know, comment below on the sub stack of this podcast and let me know. I'll tell you more about that at the end of this episode on how to do that. But yeah, ask me that because I don't feel like getting into it right here, but I could definitely expand more in a sub stack post at some later date. But one of the amazing byproducts of quitting drinking was that I got my confidence back and I really had my own back throughout this whole thing. And both of my parents are entrepreneurs and I live in Ireland and my family lives in the US and I want to be able to go back and work from, from my parents' kitchen whenever I go visit and go out for like two or three weeks at a time without asking somebody's permission. And so the more and more I thought about it, I realized that I didn't want to work for somebody else, and I realized that research was no longer my passion. I was, I'm was i so creative as a person. I love social media. I love meaningful conversations with people, which is probably why I'm a coach now, but I, I just wasn't feeling fulfilled in my research job anymore, and so once my PhD ended um, in 2021, I decided to leave academia and research to start my own business. And that looked like a variety of different things. Some of you might be listening to this and have been there for my evolution, my business journey, which I think would be an amazing podcast to talk about as well, because it's not just like, oh, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to leave research and now I know exactly what I'm going to do. No, there was definitely a period of trying and failing and trying and failing. And I'm still in that period of trying and failing, honestly. But I eventually came to the terms, came to terms that I didn't want to stay in research. And so I started my own business. And eventually I ended up becoming a sobriety coach for high achievers specifically. And the reason that I decided to do that was because there's no cookie cutter approach when it comes to quitting drinking. And I think that I stayed stuck for so long because I didn't see anybody else out there like me that was struggling. Somebody who didn't classify themselves as an alcoholic, I definitely did not label myself as an alcoholic. That did not resonate with me. That did not resonate with my story at all or my drinking habits at all. And, But I didn't classify myself as a normal drinker as well. And in the sober community, there is this concept of gray area drinking where it's that place in the middle where it's like you're not a normal drinker but you're not an alcoholic but you don't like your relationship with alcohol and you know that either your drinking is a problem or you have a problem with your drinking and I really wanted to be an example to help other people who are at that point of really struggling when everything else feels like it's going great you've got the perfect job you're in a supportive relationship you're pretty healthy it's just you cannot change your drinking habits for the life of you. And you're constantly rewarding yourself with drinking. You're looking to that external validation to tell yourself that you're doing a good job or to relieve stress or to comfort yourself, whatever it is. And that's really where I come in. I help my clients change their drinking habits no matter what that looks like. That doesn't mean that you have to identify as sober. That does not mean that you have to count days, right? Everyone's journey is uniquely theirs. And I have clients right now who some of them are wanting to completely go sober and completely go cut back on drinking and stop drinking. But other other clients of mine, they have no intentions of calling themselves sober. They have no intention of completely cutting alcohol out of their life. They just want to stop using alcohol to cope with their emotions, and I think that all of those goals are valid and doable to achieve with the tools that I offer, and I'll get into the tools that I offer in a later episode. That's not what this episode is about, but Anyway, I'm trying to remember now if I've left anything out, so that pretty much catches you up to speed right now. So I live in Ireland, I'm a sobriety coach for high achievers, and I'm also the founder of Sober Girls Ireland, which is a community for sober and sober curious women in Ireland who want to meet up and have virtual and in-person events, so I'll leave the link to join Sober Girls Ireland in the show notes for this episode as well. But quitting drinking definitely had a huge impact on my career, and that's really what resonates with a lot of the people that follow me, that follow my journey, and that's what all of my guests, that's a common denominator, um, sobriety or changing their drinking habits completely transformed their career. And so I thought that I wanted to do this first episode kind of giving you a bit of backstory on me. And this podcast is really a snapshot into my life and the work that I do. And every week you'll either hear a solo episode from me as I guide you through your journey while sharing parts of my own, Or you'll hear an episode of an interview I've done with a special guest focusing on how they quit drinking and how their sobriety journey impacted their career. And while I am an expert in psychology and behavior change, I've got my PhD in consumer psychology, but when it comes to changing our drinking habits, I want to remind you all that I'm on this journey too. There is not one point that you reach where you're done, where you're finished, where everything's perfect, right? Like we are human beings, our emotions are ebb and flow we are always going to have challenges and I really wanted to use this first episode to highlight some of the work that I'm currently doing in an attempt to stop me from portraying and performing that I am this perfect whole complete human being and that's the only way that I can ever help somebody and I wanted to offer that if you're sober and you're listening to this then it's 100% acceptable if you have things that you're working on too And while quitting drinking turned my life from chaotic to calm, I'm still doing the work over here. So I want to stop rambling and I'll get into the 10 things that I'm currently working on after three years of sobriety. Um, The first being believing that I'm good enough just as I am. I have a habit of feeling very inadequate, especially in the context of running my own business. I feel like I went on this, uh, uh, this journey to quit drinking and then now I'm on a whole other journey with building my business, right? And as somebody who was in academia and research for years and years and years, I became very accustomed to validating myself through what other people think about me, through grades, getting the gold star. And I never developed a habit of believing I'm good enough just as I am without accomplishing anything, that I am inherently complete as a human being without needing to accomplish anything. And that's something that shows up in my relationships, in my home life, in my um, just in my personal habits that I'm trying to accomplish and work on day to day, and in my business, not believing that I need to have the perfect sales page or the perfect TikTok video or whatever it is in order to sign my next client or help somebody. And it's definitely a process and it's not a one and done thing. I don't think I'm ever going to get to a place where that's just checked off the list, believing I'm good enough just as I am, because that's obviously a subconscious belief that I have strengthened throughout my life. And now it's just unwinding that. So that is definitely something that I'm trying to figure out. Let me know, by the way, on our sub stack, if any of these resonate with you. I will respond to your comments with so much love and appreciation that I'm not alone in this journey. And um, yeah, definitely do that if any of these resonate with you. But the second thing that I'm currently working on is untangling my work from my worth. And this really does play off of that last thing that I was talking about. But I put so much heart and soul into everything that I do. And sometimes I can take it personally in a work setting. If, let's say, a video of mine doesn't really land, if I make an offer to help somebody and they decline it, or a client decides to stop working with me, I internalize that as they don't like me, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy of having X, Y, Z. Like I need to get better at separating the value that I offer as a service provider versus the value that I inherently have as a human being. And this is something that a lot of my clients struggle with and I know a lot of people struggle with generally, whether they struggle with drinking or not, is just coming to the realization that You are worthy of love and success and all of your desires inherently. Like you don't have to do anything in order to be deserving of those things that you desire. And that's really the work. And again, I don't think it's going to, (laughs) there's not going to be a time where that's not something that I'm working on. So yeah, those two things are pretty much tied together. But the third thing that I'm working on, which I know a lot of you relate to, Is finding my feet in my current friendships and relationships three years in and it it takes time what initially what it looked like was me gradually telling people that i had quit drinking and getting over the awkwardness of that and having those meaningful conversations where i where i wanted to have them and keeping it quite surface level with others It has taken time and my friendships have developed beautifully, I have to say. It's definitely been an amazing process. I haven't had too much friction there. But other people also have to come to terms with our self-identity changes, right? Because, for example, my best friend, she is so supportive of everything that I do. She is my number one fan. And literally, we've known each other since the day we were born. She, I was born in February. She was born in March. And our our moms are friends when we were born. And so I've literally known her my entire life. And so it was a process whenever I quit drinking because we would often get together and drink and hang out and laugh and have fun. It was definitely a process for her as well to meet this new version of me in addition to me finding my feet in my current friendships and um that has definitely taken time and three years in i'm still working on it i'm still figuring out what i like to do with my friends i'm still figuring out how i relate to people when they still drink and i don't and it's a journey as well and another thing that i have worked on extensively as well is finding new sober friendships which has been so nice i've i've made some really good friends in the sober community and um those of you listening you know who you are but it's and i've met some of them in person too because a lot of those friendships were built online because i live in the middle of the countryside in ireland and this is also one of the reasons why i started sober girls ireland because community is so important and i find that whenever i meet new friends who are also sober like let's say when we have one of our sober girls ireland meetups we don't even really talk about drinking there's just we i just feel a bit um disarmed as soon as i enter a relationship with them that we literally just pick up as if we've been friends for 10 years and it's just a very nice thing to have that common ground and it's not necessarily something that we talk about a lot Um, but finding those new friendships in sobriety was so important and it's something that I'm still cultivating, still working on, and something that I'm enjoying working on too. The next thing that I'm figuring out, still three years in, is what I enjoy doing. Hobbies, right? Whenever I was drinking, I didn't have any hobbies. And I remember the first weekend that I didn't drink on this sobriety journey that I'm on, It was one of the first weekends anyway. I remember having to literally sit on the couch and feel bored for the first time in like 10 years. I hadn't felt bored in like 10 years because I was always drinking all weekend, sick or hungover or anxious or what have you in bed watching TV and just doom scrolling all day on the weekends, never had time to like get up and do something. And then during the week, it was just like survival mode, just trying to make it through. And I never developed any hobbies and figured out what I enjoyed doing. And so now that I am three years sober, I have slowly started to figure those things out. And I do work so much and I enjoy my work so much that it kind of feels like a hobby sometimes. Like this podcast is part of my job and I enjoy doing it. So it kind of feels like a hobby, but I need to work on prioritizing fun more because I kind of went from one extreme to the other. Whenever I quit drinking, I became very serious very rigid regimented and so part of me is now kind of unwinding that like it's safe to have free time like you don't have to plan every single aspect of your day (laughs) but i've slowly started figuring out what do i enjoy doing i've been open to new experiences i've done random things like i've went kayaked for example i can't think of any other random things that i've done but i am an introvert and i do get my energy i recharge when i'm alone But I've found out that there are ways to have fun while doing that. So some of the things that I have figured out that I enjoy doing is going to the cinema, watching a good movie with a big bag of popcorn. Oh, love that. Dancing is another thing that I really love doing. I love doing this. I went to a lot of weddings. Um, I'm 29. So everyone I know is basically getting married. I think I went to like 10 weddings since I've quit drinking in the past three years. And... Something I really love about weddings is dancing because A, it feels good to move my body and I literally just enjoy it. But B, you don't have to make small talk or talk to people when we're dancing. And I know a lot of people struggle with this. They're like, oh my God, I could never dance whenever I'm sober. Oh my God, I don't know how you do that. But I find that it's the most amazing release I love it, and I also like do ABBA dance workouts on my iPad during the week because they're fun too. I'm also on a running journey now, so that's something that I've refound uh, my passion for. I used to run a lot in high school. I did cross country and track, always very athletic, and now I'm finding time for that again, and it feels really good. And I also love other things like cooking and baking and podcasts. Oh my God, I could listen to podcasts forever. So I've slowly figured out what I enjoy doing and it's been a process, but it's been really fun. So still working on that. The fifth thing that I'm still figuring out three years in is how to manage my emotions. (laughs) This is something that I'm going to talk so much about on this podcast, so I don't want to get too into it now. But this is ongoing work, right? I mean, the... Inconvenient thing that happens when we quit drinking is that we've got to feel our feelings. We've got to feel our feelings. We can't numb them out. And I talk a lot about emotional management on my social media and with my clients. Um, But basically, just learning how to not resist my own feelings, creating awareness over what I'm feeling, allowing it to be safe to have those feelings. It's just definitely been the Biggest underlying journey that I've been on since quitting drinking, which basically sparked this journey. And it's something that I ha- feel like I have bouts where I'm doing really well at managing my emotions. And if you had talked to me six months ago, I probably would have been like, no, I am not managing my emotions very well. And so I'm sure that's just a part of life and a part of this process. But That's something that I'm figuring out and my clients are figuring out. And I do know a lot based on my work in behavior change and psychology, but, you know, it takes time. It takes time to figure these things out and we have to be okay with that. So the next thing that I'm still figuring out is protecting my energy. And this seems super vague, but it's, here's some examples. Like I get really worked up over small things. Like I worry from when I wake up in the morning until my head hits the pillow and then it gets twice as fast. (laughs) The worrying speeds up as soon as I go to bed, but just protecting my energy when it comes to things that drain my energy, which are like social media, certain people in my life as much as I love them. Um, some people do drain my energy, certain tasks drain my energy, and sometimes I'm draining my own energy. So it's a bit vague, this one, but basically just helping me see the grand scheme of things and not getting myself worked up every time that something does not go my way. You know what I mean? The next thing that I'm still figuring out is comparison. Comparing myself to other people and this plays into my perfectionist tendencies, but especially regarding my business, I am constantly looking outside of myself for people to tell me how to be, what to do. And I'm constantly comparing my website to other people's websites, what I'm doing to other people. I'm just, it's just a natural thing for all of us to want to compare ourselves and that's completely normal and still something that I'm figuring out and get uncomfortable, right? Not being perfect because as I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, my perfectionism stops me from getting started, whether that's with work, with things that I'm trying to do for my health, routines that I want to implement, habits, healthy habits that I want to implement, everything. I'm constantly comparing myself to other people and I think that it can be done in a very healthy way, which is kind of the approach that I'm taking it, which is anytime that I feel maybe triggered or jealous of something that I see someone else doing, instead of berating myself and telling myself, you'll never have that, you're not good enough to do that, instead of berating myself, getting curious about why I'm feeling that way. Why am I jealous of that? What is it about what that person has that makes me feel jealous? Could that mean that do I want something that they have? If that is true, what is that? And how could I maybe work on getting that, right? Just healthier ways to compare myself not necessarily getting rid of it altogether. Definitely something that I'm still working on and, um, I'm sure that I will continue working on, which is definitely a theme here. The next thing is loving my body, eating healthy, etc. I don't want to use the word diet culture here or get into that whole thing, but a lot of my relationship with drinking has translated to food in many ways. Um, I drank a lot of the time to cope with negative emotions. I drank to escape things. And a lot of the times I find myself doing emotional eating as well. And that's something that is very common. And I don't think I need to beat myself up about it, but it is something that I'm working on and learning how to rewind a lot of what I've been taught. A lot of this is good food, this is bad food. This, you know, if you overeat, then don't eat the next day. All of those really weird food rules that I have for myself that I've just kind of picked up along my 20s and probably earlier than that. And trying to get out of that black and white mentality, which again plays into the perfectionism, I think, of either like we're doing this all in or we're not doing this at all. And finding out that happy place where I can still enjoy the foods that I want to enjoy and not feel guilty about them. But also know when it's time to nourish myself and fuel my body, basically. (laughs) And exercising from a place of love and not from a place of punishment. I think that so many of us, if you've grown up in the late 90s, early 2000s, like I did, it's You know, oh, I got this coming up, so I need to cut out all the food and I need to exercise so that I can punish my body and look like a size zero. And yeah, just learning how to love my body unconditionally, no matter what it looks like, and create a bit of body neutrality as well. So that is something that I'm figuring out. And number nine, I think, is just a really simple one that I think everyone (laughs) should work on. Um but it's being kinder to myself. My self-talk has improved so much from when I first quit drinking until now. And it's, as I said, something I'm still working on. But I think whenever I was initially trying to quit drinking, I thought that the kinder self-talk would come once I had gotten maybe like a year of sobriety. But what I realized is you can't shame yourself into staying sober. If you do, if you are able to do that, you feel miserable the entire time. And I realized that I needed to improve my self-talk in order to quit drinking. And it wasn't just something that was going to magically happen once I stopped drinking. And that's why I think I was, yeah, I was telling you that story about how when I looked in the mirror that last day before I quit, that last day that I drank, and I told, I asked myself, why are you doing this to yourself and it was a voice of kindness and compassion that really was the switch for me and I started getting curious and not necessarily judging myself all of the time and not making what happened mean that I'm a terrible person or that I'm never going to be able to figure this thing out but just getting curious like okay why do you think that you're drinking this much? Why do you think that you are not willing to sit with your emotions? What is scary about them? What do you not want to feel? What would it look like if you could feel those things and have it be safe to feel those things, right? Just learning how to do the next kindest thing for myself. And that's a question that I ask myself all of the time is, okay, what's the next kindest thing that I could do here for myself? So, Being kind to myself is definitely something that I'm still figuring out three years in. It's not something that magically gets fixed at one point. And lastly, number 10 is letting go of my need to be in control. I spent my whole life trying to control the outside because I felt out of control on the inside. I think this is really common for people who struggle with anxiety anxiety is basically just a fear of the unknown or the uncertain or what's out of your control and I was living in constant fear of a lot of things that were outside of my control and this happened whenever I quit drinking I before I quit drinking I didn't really have those controlling tendencies because I just felt so out of control but I think the pendulum swung completely the other way whenever I did quit drinking because then I went, I became super hyper in control of everything. Like I didn't, I didn't enjoy going out somewhere new if I hadn't researched where it was or saw the menu. If my boyfriend told me that, oh, so-and-so is coming over in like two hours and I hadn't known that, I became very panicky and upset and irritable and I... Just even hanging out with new people who I didn't know, I would try to rehearse different conversations that I could have with them, and it it just became too much. And so I'm letting go of my need to be in control of everything. And part of that is being exercised here in this podcast you know, not trying to be perfect about everything I say, not having every single word that I say be perfectly controlled and in packaged in a certain way. That's not necessary in order for people to find what you're saying valuable, entertaining, inspiring. The people, the podcasts that I enjoy listening to the most are not scripted. They are just somebody, one person or two people, sitting in front of a microphone, having an honest conversation, off the cuff, and I really enjoy listening to those. And so I hope that you'll enjoy listening to this podcast where I am exercising <laughs> my, my. I'm letting go of my need to be in control, protecting my energy and just practicing not being perfect. So those are the 10 things that I'm still figuring out. If you're still here, thank you for listening to this first episode. So make sure this is super important. This podcast is going to be hosted on Substack as well. And Substack is an amazing platform. It's a free platform and community where we can have conversations. So it's not just like I put out this podcast and never know what any of you guys think about it. You can head to this podcast episode. I will link my Substack below at workingsober.substack.com. I'll link it in the show notes. And you can literally comment on this episode and say, hey, I struggled with this, or hey, this resonated. Or you can say, Melissa, what are you talking about? (laughs) What was this nonsense? Actually, don't say that, but... You know what I mean. And we can have conversations about what I talk about and you can ask questions, you can comment on the things that my guests talk about. It's just an amazing place to hang out and start building up that community because that is so important on this journey is having like-minded people who know what you're struggling with because they've struggled with it too. And getting together and having those conversations is super important. So head to workingsober.substack.com under this episode in the show notes. Say hi. Let me know if any of this resonated with you. Other than that, I'll be back next week for my first guest episode. I know this is going to be an amazing episode for you guys and I can't wait for you guys to listen. Other than that, Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Working Sober. I hope that you found it informative and inspiring. Make sure you join our community over on Substack, where we share resources, stories, and support for those navigating this transformational journey. To subscribe, simply visit workingsober.substack.com or head to the link in the show notes and enter your email address. It's completely free, and you'll receive our latest newsletter directly in your inbox. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. It helps us reach more people who can benefit from our message. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep working sober and pursuing your dreams.